outside the tank is not affiliated with Shark Tank. Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. That's Joe. Joe is my co-founder. What are you laughing about? <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say something very serious. I, I, okay, go ahead. I'll okay. shut up. So can I say what I was going to say? Yeah. Okay. Joe is my co-founder in Growth 10. He is a very gritty entrepreneur. In fact, he's so gritty that just before this, he was hunched over because he's having abdominal pains. I'm having cramps. I played golf in the intense heat yesterday. But he's so gritty that he's persevering through. Oh. Man. You all right? No, I'm fine. I, I need to sit down? I, no, I don't need to sit down. I, I stretched, and now I feel better. Good. I okay. stretched, and I worked it out. <laughs> hey, when you're 60, this stuff happens. You're only 36 years old. You're it's a young true. man. It's true. All right, Alina, swipe, snap, diaper cream. Swipe and snap. Swipe, swipe, and snap, diaper cream. My apologies. <laughs> um, a way to apply cream onto your baby with one hand. It can be very challenging, my wife tells me. Um, 120000 for 10%. So yeah. it goes in with a $1.2 million valuation. Again, it's a it's a really a one-hand baby cream applier. Yeah. Um, she's got a patent. She's a single mother. Uh, she invented it 10 years prior yeah. to going on the show. Uh, she showed up with $15,000 of sales. She had an investor that had invested uh, $60,000 for 5%. It's a dollar eighty-five to make, and she's uh, had just raised her price point from ten dollars to twenty dollars. So this is season twelve, episode eleven, or January twenty-second of twenty twenty-one. So yeah. a very recent episode at the time of us airing this. So what happened? So and what did I miss? No, you didn't miss much. I thought it was interesting that she had invented it a whole ten years before going on uh, Shark Shark Tank. That was just really cool. That it was just sitting out there and. And it, it came to fruition. She didn't let go of that product and idea because she knew it was a good one. But uh, Cuban didn't have a lot of interest. Robert uh, did, didn't know if he, he'd need or use the product. He didn't see a place for it. He got some offers. Was it, or she got some offers from Lori. And then Daniel had interest as well. And then Mr. W went out and they kind of came back. And it was interesting how it played out. Uh, he was talking about her uh, when he went out saying, I, you know, I wish you had... Uh, kind of a digital product or partnership we could utilize. But what happened is I think Lori and Daniel made an offer and then Daniel took a step back. If I recall, Mr. W came in with Lori and she took the deal. Yeah. So interesting, interesting. 50%. Product. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I recall when, as she was talking, as we were understanding the product, I recall I have only one child. And now she's 23. She's an adult. But I remember when she was a baby, Beth would call me in and say, hey, can you hold Alyssa <laughs> while I put some cream on? So it took two of us because she was very fidgety. So important product, great product. And we're going to learn all about Alina's story. 
All right, let's get to the interview. All right, we're here with Alina, swipe snap, diaper cream device. Really, really cool. Yes, very I have an eight-month-old at home. Um, my wife will tell you I never change any diapers. That's <laughs> not completely true, but mostly true. But I, we, we love this uh, baby cream apple, apple, apple applier. Ooh, easy for me to <laughs> Applicator. say. Applicator. <laughs> Application device. Uh, so excited to talk about this. You have such an awesome story. Um, so really excited to get to know you better, the product, where you're taking this thing. Uh, and of course, that experience you had on national TV. So start at the beginning. And I know it, it's been a long journey. Where did the original idea come from? And then how did you end up taking it to market? Well, as you know, most ideas come from facing a problem, right? Um, we face a lot of different problems. The one I had that was really bad for me was applying the diaper cream. My son had like super sensitive skin that required me to literally apply the cream at every diaper change, which was up to 10 times a day, like in, especially in the beginning. And um, my pediatrician would tell me like, you have to keep one hand on your baby while you're changing the diaper because babies are at risk for falling when they start crawling. You always have to keep one hand. Straps don't work. And when he started crawling, it became very challenging to keep one hand on him because he was so squirmy. Now, especially during the application part, like traditional tubes require you to like, use one hand to hold the cream and another hand to squeeze the cream on your hand. And even though you, you're only doing this for like two seconds, during those two seconds, you're putting your baby at risk for potential falls. And I would get really bad anxiety for those few seconds. Even though I had him strapped in, I would get stressed out if like he could roll off the table because he was so squirmy and he was a pretty big baby. <laughs> and um, I would get like, almost like bursts of like stress, like hormones. I could feel myself like my body tensing up and one elbow and I would try to hold the cream and apply. And that was really the main problem was trying to hold him while applying the cream. The second layer was the messy cream. Like diaper creams are water resistant and they are designed to seal moisture. So the problem with that is that when you have them on your hands, it's literally like the sticky substance that you can use a baby wipe to try to get most of it off, soap and water. But because it is water resistant, it's almost impossible to wash off with soap and water. So there's residue under your nails and you know amongst your fingers. And if you barely brush a little bit of it off on like your outfit, it's permanent, like it's stained. It, it's very hard to come out of clothes. So having to deal with it like up to 10 times a day, I was like, okay, this is so frustrating. Like there needs to be an applicator. This was 2009, wow, almost like 11 years ago. Wait, am I doing my math? 12? Oh, <laughs> like, okay. Time just is going. Um, but I was like, there needs to be a, a cream applicator because there must be other parents that are struggling. Like, like I'm not the only one, right? And I Googled and um, at the time there was nothing. I mean, like, there was nothing out there. And I was like, okay, I have to create this. I have to bring this product to the market because this is a need. Like other parents I'm sure are like struggling with the same issue and I want to solve this problem. 
So obviously, you know, you had shared that you were a single mother. You obviously had a lot of things going on. So it wasn't like you had all the time in the world to just launch a business. What I'm curious about, though, is what finally made you say, look, I'm going to learn what it takes to patent this. I'm going to design a prototype. Was there something that just tipped the scales for you to say, I'm going to do this? Yeah, definitely. When I've always been like a young, when I was a young child, like just, I love creating and I was like an artist, writer, like just have a lot of creative energy. And I, w I had a journal filled with just like solutions to problems I, I was, I had when I was little and to like things that I saw my mom deal with. And I was just like a little inventor. Never did I ever think that I could like actually make my inventions real because everyone that I shared my ideas with were kind of so like, mm, everything's already existed, exists. There's like, well, don't waste your time. I'm kind of negative And it made me really doubt myself as an inventor, kind of put myself in this position of like, well, everything has been invented, kind of believe their like their thoughts and when I when I got pregnant with my son and I had like no distractions because I was a single mom and I was responsible for taking care of my son it was just me God and my son and that's when like my this belief in like this product just kept like tapping me like I would think about it in the morning I would think about it when my son was asleep and it it kind of like started growing in me where it was like I heard this inner feeling inner voice like an intuition that, that's like you need to bring this to life like figure out a way to make this happen and it was this inner fire inner feel like I reignited and started believing myself as an inventor as a creator again and I was like okay I may not have the time uh, I mean I may not have a lot of time and I don't have a lot of money, but what I do have is this determination. So the curiosity, the like, okay, let's see if there's something here. So I called the patent office and I remember like getting an angel, literally this lady was such a saint. She's like, oh dear, like, it sounds like your idea is really neat. You should like, it was like this older lady and she was <laughs> so sweet. And she, I, I said to her, look, I don't have a lot of money. It sounds like a patent process is really expensive. She's like, well, there have been some inventors that have written the patent themselves and even gotten it. And I was like, wait, that's possible? I didn't even know, right? You, you create these kind of like mental blocks. Yeah. You think you need this, you think you need that. And they kind of prevent you from even trying. So I was like, look, if there are other people, I think I'm capable of something like this. Why not? Like, what, what am I what am I going to risk if, if I don't try? Right. And she recommended this book, patent it yourself. And I ordered it on Amazon. And I, every time I put my son to sleep, I was like, okay, I'll read through a few chapters. I'm like, okay, I can do this. I have the skills to do this. I, I could draw, I could, you know, prototype things. I went to a hardware store, hardware store, and I bought like a bunch of little like things and pieced it together and just kind of created this prototype and used it it worked and before you knew it like the patent had just kind of over time written itself through me obviously like it didn't write itself but <laughs> I wrote it I submitted it and um and that was kind of the planting of the seed of the idea and I told myself look if I get the patent I'm gonna whatever happens in my life at that time if I get the patent I'm going to quit whatever I'm doing and I'm going to dedicate my time to bringing this to life and it took five years. 
it was a long waiting process. But after five years, um, I had a corporate job and I remember walking out of my office and uh, checking my email and getting the notification. And I, and I almost dropped my phone because I knew that my life was about to change, that like I am going to have to face this fear of quitting my job and starting this journey, like going into the rabbit hole of the unknown of bringing this product to life. So th this is very interesting. It seems like the older lady in the patent office was uh, your fairy godmother. That yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, there are angels among us and they come into forms, <laughs> right? Like, uh, or fairies, right? If we just yeah. pay attention and we're open to accepting the gifts that come and advice, then, and we trust it. Yeah, exactly. She was like, in a way, I pray for her all the time. And I wonder with all the negative energy you initially got, Alina, did you seek out, did you intentionally look for positive energy, positive people, resources, books? Were you, when you were on this journey because of people telling you you couldn't do something, were you also attracted and looking for uh, mentorship in other forms? Exactly. Because the people that we're around do influence us and our belief system, right? So with that, I knew that I had to invite more people that were kind of like, you know, entrepreneurs that were doing things like me. So I started doing pitch competitions. And I knew that's where um, like-minded people that have creative ideas that really want to bring them to life are going to gather. And that's where I met my investor. Um, I did a pitch, my first pitch, uh, when I moved to Houston and I found this like startup hub and it was stationed in Houston and uh, there were three people that were presenting and the winner would get like free membership, free mentorship. And the best thing is that there were a bunch of investors that were there that day that were interested in, you know, investing in the future companies. And it just so happens that my investor was there. And what I was really looking for is not so much the money, but really like the mentorship and um, the knowledge of like, how do I bring a product to the market? Right. Uh, he had already had an exit, which, um, you know, even though his product was different, he was also an inventor and kind of a similar pathway that he had brought it to market. And so I was like, look, I will work for you for free. Like I will, can I just follow you? Can I just watch what you do? I, I don't, you don't have to pay me. I just, I'm, I'm hungry for knowledge. And six months I shadowed him and just watched what he does. and you know, asking questions. And then he hired me to run one of his operations, just kind of threw me in the, in the pool. He's like, sink or swim. And that gave me an opportunity to run his company while bringing mine to life. So it was a lot at once, sink or swim. And I almost drowned, but I managed to not. That was the toughest year of my life. It definitely tested my, um, myself. Like I went to my breaking point where I thought I was like, not gonna make it but I persevered and now I feel like it was like the testing ground for really making me strong and now I feel very confident in my skill set and uh, obviously there's still a lot of uh, things I don't know and things I need to learn but I feel much more confident as an entrepreneur and um, knowing how to bring a product to market as uh, is like that path I cleared is now I'm launching my second product, which I don't, we can talk about later, but I'm super excited about it too. So like once you create a path and it's proven to work, now you can like channel other products and it's much easier uh, than the first. There isn't as much resistance. 
Yeah. So fast forward to Shark Tank, did they recruit you or did you apply to be on there? So I've been wanting to apply for like over nine years, like ever since I had the idea, but I kept having these mental blocks of like, well, I don't have a physical product. It's just an idea. Getting to that place where I am prepared to meet the sharks um, has been like a 10, almost 10 year plan that I've been like just mentally preparing for. And last, last year, um, I just had this intuitive gut feeling. It was just like this loud, loud voice inside me that was like, you're ready. You need to just go and apply. Like, it was like a knowing. And I tapped into it and I applied. It was in Dallas. Um, it was right before they had like shut down all of the um, um, virtual, like all the, inter like the in-person interviews. And so I got to like go through the whole process and meet a lot of really cool people in line, like other entrepreneurs. I made a lot of friends and uh, it was just like amazing energy with all these people, like with their ideas. It was like, it was one of my favorite days of my life. It's like applying and waiting there. And people were like chatting and it was just like an, an incredible experience. Well, that's because us entrepreneurs are all lonely and want other peers to talk <laughs> yeah. to that understand us. Yes, yes. And like, you know, we're all kind of scattered in the world. And like the audition is like where we're all kind of there. And I was like, look, if, if I don't pass the audition, it's fine. Here's an opportunity to meet like-minded inventors and entrepreneurs. And I was like, let's connect, let's connect. And I made some pretty cool friends from all over the area. Were you happy uh, with how the pitch and the experience went when you uh, shot it? Um, like, oh, absolutely. Yes. Like they, I mean, they did such an amazing job, like editing it. And obviously like the, it, it's a lot longer that I spoke to the sharks, um, but you know, they can't show everything. So like the, I feel like they highlighted like some really important things. Yeah, there was a lot happening there, and certainly there's things we don't see. We see 10 or 11 minutes of exactly. sometimes a, an hour or more. Uh, there was a lot happening when folks started, uh, when the sharks started making offers, uh, <laughs> coming back in, cutting each other out. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us about the deal itself? Did, did the deal come together? Is it a good deal? Well, I, I'm, the deal right now is still in progress. We're going through the due diligence and I, you know, have been talking back and forth with them about like the details of what I want. And they have been just so incredible and like, you know, making sure that everything's there and like beyond like my expectations of how friendly and kind and just really wanting the best for me, but also, you know, for the company. So really great team. I feel really, really happy and blessed. Um, so we're in the kind of the last stages of kind of reviewing everything and uh, hopefully very soon it will <laughs> you know, come together. Uh, a lot of the efforts will come from, you know, the connections from their side and also mine. So the deal, as you know, is uh, contingent on the licensing that um, we're looking for licensing opportunities for this product. Um, like a B2B sort of deal. I'm still selling it on Amazon and uh, on my website. Although Amazon's sold out now and have, it's, it's been pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, sales have been really great. Um, yeah, tell us, tell us what happened after you aired January 22nd. 
Um, how did your life change? What happened to sales? What's happened since? Well, the biggest thing that changed is like the weight has been off my shoulders. Like the hardest part, I think, like just being a human is not knowing what will happen. So the whole waiting, because, you know, you go through the funnel of like, okay, there's like, you know, several thousand, like over 30,000 people apply, then a few thousand like get picked. Uh, and then at the very, very bottom, you know, 150 people get to meet the sharks, right? And make the deal, which is like amazing. You get to like make your dream come true. But then you have the like the very end, which is even like it trims down to like a little, like uh, over 80 people get aired. So you're waiting to like, no, are you, are you gonna make it on air? Are you not? Like, this is gonna change your life if you do or don't, right? And so the waiting was just so heavy on me. It just like weighed me down with my mental energy, just instead of like focusing on like what I really wanna do, I, I just was so clouded in like, in this like, will I get aired? But once I did, it was like this weight of like, I feel like I could literally fly now. I'm like, huh, ah. <laughs> like, you know, uh, that's funny because I was a fairy on the show. <laughs> uh, but seriously, it was like for, for like 10 years, I almost feel like a caterpillar that was like in a cocoon. And I've been working on myself and these ideas and really breaking free from that was like the process of applying, facing my fear, going through the struggles of growing and, and facing all those challenges. Like, it's interesting because the butterfly kind of goes through the same thing in the sense of like, if you help a butterfly along and trim it's like, and cut the cocoon, it actually falls to the ground and ends up dying. But the struggle is important because that's when its wings are actually becoming stronger so it could fly. Um, and so I had to go through my own struggle and be ready to literally fly. And so, to answer your question, um, after I got aired and I was literally like, that was the beginning of me breaking free from the cocoon and the whole, like, I mean, a lot of people saw me and now it's me like flying and I'm just now like beginning to explore like that space of being like, an, like showing myself to the world because I've been so like hidden like from showing my ideas to, you know, the public, a lot of it was fear. A lot of it was, um, you know, just not emotionally, mentally uh, being ready. But finally I broke free. So sales have been amazing. Um, connecting with the sharks and, uh, you know, their, uh, their teams and just feeling so blessed for all this uh, incredible opportunity. And when you, when you taped, it was just you. And I think uh, Mr. Wonderful Kevin even mentioned, boy, you know, it's just you. I wish you had a partner. So yeah. how much of your joy right now and your confidence and your, you know, your de-stress comes from now possibly having a team of people seeing, you know, seeing that team come together for the company? It's a relief because when you're doing it for so long on your own, it, it becomes overwhelming, right? And you become very spread thin and almost like um, drained from all of the amount of things that you have to think about and do. And, you know, sometimes in life you have to give to get and, you know, I like giving up, a, you know, 50% is quite a lot. But when I think about it, it feels like a release. It feels like, look, in, in life you have to give in order to receive. And I'm an, I love giving. 
I think that's, um, you know, our purpose in life is to create something and to be able to actually give it back. Um, so I feel really happy and I have a little bit more space now not having to think so much about whether if I'm going to get aired or not, or what's going to happen with the deal, like that I have this clarity and I, I'm literally today, um, this has been a side project, uh, because I received my second patent, but today I'm getting my second invention. Like the units are literally arriving in the warehouse today. That's awesome. It's like, it's like, I feel like I'm giving birth. That's why I'm extra excited today because, um, this is actually technically my first invention. I invented it way before I even had my son. It's a workout device. And um, it was the idea I've, I've always wanted to bring to life uh, because I've used this product and it's really helped me. But because I was around so many negative people that were like, this idea is not going to work. It's too obvious. Even my patent attorney, bless his heart, I love him, but he's so like safe, you know, like he's like, look, I don't think you're going to get a patent for this. Uh, you're not going to get your money back. I was like, look, just file. Here's my money. Just do it. Like he wrote the claims. I did the specifications and the drawings, but I was like, look, I have a gut feeling. I know that this is, we're going to get this patent. I don't know why, but I feel it. And he's like, okay, just so you know, if you don't get it, then you don't get your money back. A year later, I got the patent, like another U.S. utility patent. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this, but um, I de decided to take every single weekend and work on it a little bit. So I started the prototyping process uh, about a year ago, found a manufacturing and here it is now it's coming to life. So I'm super excited about it. It's called toner bum. It allows you to tone your glutes. It's not just for like um, the appearance, but really why I invented it is because it prevents lower back pain because we spend so much time sitting and I like, you know, sit in my car, all, you know, commuting, sitting in my desk, sitting on the couch, all of these sitting, um, like to spend all this time sitting actually makes your glute muscles weak. And that's as you age, it actually creates um, back pain and um, hip injuries as we age. So this is a preventive tool, but also, you know, it makes you look good. So <laughs> it, it, it hits two birds with one stone. So it super sounds like something my partner Tom can uh, use because he's getting a little older. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's mostly for women, but hey, guys can use it too. I can see for heart, like it's, let me show you, hold on. You, you got a sec? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Interesting stuff. So while you're doing that, I'm going to, you know, my impression here is there's this great inventor and creative person called Alina. And now she's not only a great creative person and inventor, she's now a fully fledged entrepreneur based on what she's taught herself and what she's learned from others. That's the story here. All right, let's see it. Okay, ta-da! The toner boom! <laughs> Love it. Okay, so this, like, you're wondering why it's shaped this way. It goes behind the back of your leg. So when you're on all fours, you literally like put this behind your leg and it stays in place. So you could do donkey kicks and uh, leg lifts without it falling off. Usually, you know, you put a dumbbell and then it ends up falling off and it's hard to hold in place. This yeah. is ergonomically designed to literally fit like the back of your leg. So it stays in place. So you could really like get that full workout and squeeze the glute muscle without having to worry about the, the weight falling off. And it's U.S. utility patented. That means nobody else. <laughs> but for at least for the next 20 years can do this and i'm launching it literally like today <laughs> God, that is great Congra what a, yeah great congratulations on that that's so cool 
thing, thing. So as you look at your journey as an entrepreneur, and gosh, it's like the first, you know, 10 years, it was slow. And now it's like warp speed. Yes, <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. It's, it's a really, it's such a cool story. What can the folks listening to this learn from you and your story? Oh, gosh, I really feel like we all have a seed inside of us that we're given. It's like our gift that we can offer to others, to the world. And like with any seed, you need to dig a hole, right? Like you need to be okay, like digging that hole. And that means putting money, putting time, putting energy into yourself, into your seed, whatever that seed is, right? Like for me, it's just invent. It's inventing. Yours may be uh, teaching others, or maybe uh, writing. Anything that really makes you like, just fills your heart with joy when you do it. That's you know, is your seed. And planting into the your, yourself, deep into yourself, covering with dirt, having faith that it will sprout. And the moment that it will and grows into this tree that you have to nourish and never give up. That's the key is that when the moment you give up on yourself and you're, and you stop nurturing that seed is when you will feel depressed, dull, you feel a void, you're like, something's missing. And you keep looking for things like, maybe if I just get like a boyfriend, girlfriend, I'll feel this void gone. Maybe if I buy a bigger house, maybe if I have more money, like we look for external things to fill this void. But what we really need to do tap into that seed that we have, like our God-given talents and gifts and nurture it. And nurturing is hard. Like you have to be patient. You have to be willing to sacrifice, you know, the fun, the whatever, you know, distractions, the materialistic possessions. And you really have to not give up on it. And over time, like it took me 10 years, right? But then you see it sprout. And the moment that you give your your fruits from this tree that you have which is of yourself to others like from you know swipe and snap someone buying it and loving it and saying oh my gosh i love how it helps me like with my diaper changes is the moment you will feel fulfilled so my advice to anybody is first like don't focus on money don't focus on like trying to be loved by others is really tap into yourself and ask yourself what is it that makes me feel whole when I do it? And you may not be good at it in the beginning. You may suck, but come back to it. Keep coming back to it and love it and nurture it and protect it and don't give up on it because it will one day sprout into this amazing tree. Whether your tree has you know, fruit or flowers, it's something of yourself that you are giving back to the world. And in the giving back, of yourself through your gifts, you will actually be receiving the fulfillment that void will be gone. You'll feel whole and happy and blissful. And it's nothing that like money could ever buy you is the feeling of, of the giving of the back that is just the most amazing feeling that I believe is really our purpose in life is to tap into our own gifts and nurture them and give them back to others. That's such a, it's such a beautiful thought. And there's a lot of truth in that. There's a lot of spirituality in that as well. Question for you. 
is nurturing yourself sometimes painful because we have to look inside a little bit and be extremely realistic about where we're at and sometimes also recognize those areas that uh, are flawed that we need to work on. Exactly. It's, it's absolutely those things is, is looking at ourselves and really like tapping into the deeper parts and saying, okay, well, like, what am I good at? What am I not good at? And what can I do to get to where I want to be? Right. But it's very important to ask yourself why you want to be there. Right. If you're there for, if you want to be there for the wrong reasons, then you'll get there and you won't feel fulfilled. Like a lot of people chase money and a lot of people chase fame and the desire to be loved by others. And that is a, is like a bucket that could never be filled because the moment you get there, you'll feel a temporary sense of like, Oh, I got there. Like I have this thing I wanted, whether it's a promotion or money or whatever. And then you feel like, okay, it's temporary. That, that void was only temporary. Now I need more to fulfill it. It's a constant chase. It's yep. a constant like never, it's like you're chasing your own tail and you can never really like, you can get to a place where you're a billionaire and you're like, have everything you think you want and then you still, it won't, it won't disappear. Right. Who's been influential in your growth as a entrepreneur? That's a, uh, I don't know if you're ready for this answer. <laughs> uh, it's it's going to get real deep here. I don't know. Uh, I, I, it's not like, a, it's Jesus, honestly. Like, seriously. Every time I wanted to give up, it's not like I read the Bible and like listen to all the like, you know, there's a lot of rules in the Bible, but his parables, like Jesus' parables, there's 13 of them. Um, I'm sure there are more. Like the, every time I wanted to just give up on the seed that I was given and just like, oh, it's too hard. Oh my gosh, like I have nothing right now. I should just like give it up and go work corporate America and just, you know, get myself a house and be fine. But when I read those parables, it's like the, the fire just like reignites and I get fueled with this energy that comes from like a place I don't see but it's what like keeps me going. Every time I doubt myself, I just read the parables. And so that's been my greatest influencers, uh, my connection to the truth, the, the like, deep knowledge. That's not a surprise because you were uh, actually in your, your prior, uh, your prior statements, you're uh, really summarizing the parable of the talents. Oh, really? You know about that one? I haven't discovered that one. Like that seed, I know there are other parables that like, they're hidden, right? So you have to kind of like search. Um, so I have to like, I want, will you share that with me later? I will, yes. Thank you, thank you. So cool. Well, we so appreciate your time. This was really, really fun and insightful. And we're, we're so looking forward to seeing where you go as an entrepreneur. Uh, for those that want to follow you or follow either of the businesses, tell us where they can do that on social media. And then where can they buy both of your products? Okay, awesome. Uh, you can follow me on my Instagram at Alina underscore inventor. And also my website, 
my newsletter, you could sign up. Uh, it's at alinainventor.com. So that's A-L-I-N-A, -A, the word inventor.com. And at, on that website, you could subscribe to my newsletter to keep up to date with uh, all of my latest products, uh, news articles, and empowering articles. I love writing, so I like to share some of the encouragement um, on my website as well. And if you like to buy Swipe and Snap, uh, you could go to my website, swipeandsnap.com. And for the toner bum, it's uh, T O N. <laughs> E-R-B-U-M, like tone and then bum, like toner, bum. Well, and no, one, no one can accuse you of picking a name for the product that doesn't describe what it does. I think that's the best way to do it. Like, Perfect. Like, what does this product do? Okay, swipe, snap, and then toner, bum. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fun part of creating a product is you can literally like, you create a product and the name and this look and feel it's almost like you're giving birth to the whole thing it's it's really exciting well it's it, it if you are hardwired like you then being an entrepreneur and creating things and inventing things is a lot of fun so you've you've done a great job of finding you know your passion and, and your purpose and um i i have no doubt that you're obviously going to be very successful as an entrepreneur but i think what's really fun too um, whether you see it or not, you're going to be inspiring a lot of other people to also do this work, which is so cool. And do it the right way with yeah. the right heart. Yeah. I really hope so. And I would love to also say anyone that has questions for me or, you know, wants to know more about the path that I've created that works, like there's no right or wrong path. I just happen to create a path that works. And if you want advice, people can definitely reach out to me on social media or or even my email. Um, my email is alinainventor at gmail.com. So feel free to ask me any questions. And I'm always happy to give free advice and mentorship to anyone who's looking. That's for so it. cool. Yeah, you're, you're great. Well, thank oh, you. You guys are great. Thank you so much. You have a busy rest of your day. So good luck with everything. That's so exciting. And uh, we'll look forward to staying in touch with you. Thank you so much. Have a blessed day. Bye. All right, we're back from our interview with Alina. She's phenomenal. Yeah. Really learned a lot on this one. Uh, as always, this is our post game. We go through some of the great lessons and takeaways we got from the entrepreneur uh, that are applicable to many, if not all, of our businesses. Joe, what do you have? Love the post game. Love the wisdom that, that came out of Alina. I think she's a very positive person, too. A very, very cool person. Just just lots of hard-earned wisdom. Uh one of the things she likes is negative feedback. She actually <laughs> likes getting negative feedback. And I think some entrepreneurs, Tom, are um, not willing. They close off and they're not willing to hear some of that stuff. Yeah, there are a lot of entrepreneurs and it's for a variety of reasons. You know, some people it's just an avoidance thing. Some people it's an ego thing. But there are a lot of entrepreneurs that cannot hear and process and don't value negative feedback. Plain and simple. And they get defensive. You don't understand my business. You don't know my product. You're wrong. And you just got to, I mean, entrepreneurs got to have thick skin. You have to not only just be willing to listen to feedback, but seek it out. Yeah. I mean, the best entrepreneurs we know 
even if they have great companies and great customer service and are doing so many things well, they're obsessed with getting better. And the only way you get better is to get feedback. And the only way that you can improve is if people say things that aren't negative or are negative or are at least um, neutral you know, or negative. Neutral or, hey, have you thought about this? Or, you know, let me give you some constructive feedback or an idea. Or have you thought you about this? You know, learn from the that, positive feedback. You positive know, feedback. Oh, you're great. Oh, we love you. You're fantastic. Thanks. That's nothing for it's you. It's a great warm fuzzy, but it absolutely accomplishes nothing for you. Yeah, and I think you and I, we're far from perfect, but I do think we're good at, you know, looking at people in the eye and just saying, what can we do better? How can we improve on our training? How can we uh, improve our business model? Uh, a question you ask all the time are, what holes do you see in this? What flaws? What issues? What challenges? What could be a problem as we scale the business? Yeah. And those are great questions. you got you got to be willing to ask. And if you're not intentionally surrounding yourself with peers or people or mentors that are willing to challenge you, you're missing that. Yep. So, yeah, that was uh, – she actually likes negative feedback. Very cool thing. You know, she, she mentioned that sometimes we create our own mental blocks. I, I've always called them mental monsters. Ooh. And I think it's important to recognize, for every entrepreneur to recognize, what those mental blocks or mental monsters uh, we have in our head and just understand the origin, uh, origin of them, where they're coming from, why they're there. Kind of bring the monster out into the light, shine the light on the monster, and the monster becomes – smaller and you know less ominous so mental blocks if there are mental blocks there go after them uh pursue them and try to understand them uh she also said that she she said the seed is there she was talking about the seed of an idea the seed of greatness within us and and she said we need to dig the hole and, and plant the seed and and what digging the hole for her meant investing time and money into yourself so that you can find the gifts that you have. The gift is that seed, the idea for a product, the idea for a business. What are you looking at over there? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> the monitor is right there. I'm okay, just, well, the camera's right there. Oh, so that's not a camera? Oh, I'm completely confused. This is my first oh, time you, doing this. You, you do that all the time. You're really <laughs> locked in. Really? We're, this isn't a Zoom can, call. It's a can camera. I tell you, you just hit on it. Can I tell you that we are so programmed to do Zoom calls now that I'm looking at the box and looking at myself instead of the camera. So thank you for pointing that out to our YouTube audience. But you know, getting back to my point, she said digging the hole and planting the seed is about investing time uh, in yourself. And she also said that the moment you stop nurturing yourself, that's when the voids or the, or, or the, that's when you slip, the voids happen. I think she said, that's when you, you slip into a little bit of darkness. So just again, uh, you know, great, great wisdom coming from this young lady. Yep. A couple other things I'm going to add. Uh, a lot of people told her she couldn't do it. Yep. It was a bad idea. And here, here's the thing, you know, and I, I made this mistake uh, early on in my entrepreneurial life, which is I, I valued everyone's feedback the same. Consider who you're getting feedback from. So if you're going to start a business or you're going to take a big risk and you ask people that are, are not entrepreneurial, that do not take risks, what you should do, well, they're going to add their own biases into things. You shouldn't do it. You shouldn't take that risk. You shouldn't quit your day job. You yep. shouldn't borrow money. You shouldn't get investors. You know, uh, take your time on this, whatever feedback that you may get. And so, you know, in her situation, 
you know, she was asking some non-entrepreneurs and they were telling her it's a bad idea. And, and Joe, they would have said anything was a bad idea because they think it's a bad idea to not, you know, go with a steady job with benefits and an income and all many, that. Many of these people come from a risk-averse place or, or, or standpoint. And, and if someone is risk-averse, they're never going to tell you to take risks. They've been in a cubicle. God bless them. They've been in a cubicle with a ceiling uh, and a floor their entire life. They're not going to tell you to take risks. Also, uh, you can do it without money. And it may take longer, and it might be a five-year patent process, but you can do it without money. And I think that's so important. I hear, and, and not from the people that you and I talk to, this is more of things that I, I see out, you know, outside of kind of our growth tank community, but there is a perception that if you're going to start a business, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you need money, you need connections, and it's, you know, not for everyone. Bullshit. Yeah. Okay. She bought a book. Patent it yourself. <laughs> now I don't know what the book cost, but I bet you it wasn't thousands of dollars. It was fifteen ninety five, and it <laughs> might have been cheaper on. Uh, it might have been cheaper on Kindle. You probably bought and, it used, and you could have bought it used. Okay. So, oh, you need you need money and connections to start a business. No, you need no. to buy a ten dollar book, and you need to hustle for five years and bust your ass yeah. and educate yourself and. Wake up early, stay up late, work weekends, find time, whatever it is. But this is a single mother that busted her ass, that figured it out with nothing handed to her, no advantages, no connections, no money, nothing, and she made it work. And, and you need to have a great idea, you need to have a great work work ethic and a big heart, and, and she had all of those. The last thing I'll say is, you know, she she touched on this. Doing this entrepreneurial thing solo is really tough. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of people talk negatively of partnerships. Oh, be careful with partnerships. Man, I I'm going to give you the opposite take. And maybe it's because I've always been fortunate in my professional career and who I've partnered with. But I, I would tell people, be careful if you do it alone. Yeah. Okay. Because you think of some of those worst days when I can turn the chair and look at you and go, are we going to be okay? Are we going to figure this out? We, you know, we've been trying to, you know, do this one thing for a while now, or, uh, you know, that, and, and, and then it, it hasn't yeah. clicked yet. When is this going to click? Yeah. And one of us could say, Oh, it'll click tomorrow. Let's just get back. to work. Oh, okay. And then you turn back around, but it's when you're left to your own thoughts, uh, you know, you can go into very dark places. Um, you know, there are very successful, uh, venture capitalists out there that will only invest in companies with more than one founder. So co-founders or a team of people because they know how tough it is to do it alone. And so, you know, as, as you're trying to really scale a business, I, and I don't care what stage you're at. I don't care if you're trying to prove your concept or you're trying to go from one to 5 million or you're trying to go from five to 20 or you're trying to go from, you know, domestic to international. I don't care what stage of the game you're at. You're going to have those moments where you're, again, going to want to swivel around that chair and go, Joe, was this idea a bad one? Was this assumption we made the right one? Is this going to work? Um, and you need that other person that's just like, yeah, dummy, turn around and keep working. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, but without that, it can just be really tough. The days are long and it's challenging. Yeah, so sometimes, I'm not, you, yeah. sometimes you just need someone to talk you off the ledge. Yeah. So, so solo can be tough. Um, Co-founders are good. But again, you got to do what you got to do. So this was a great interview. Um, learned a lot. 
really, really cool story. Great lady, great product. Uh, just really a, a, a solid interview. Yeah. So buy the product if uh, you need one or buy it for a friend that has a, uh, a young child. Uh, it's a great product. A squirmy fantastic. Squirm it for a squirmy parents. That's right. <laughs> so this was fun. Uh, as always, subscribe, tell your friends, give us five stars. Uh, we go, appreciate go to all your support. And, and get a free book. <laughs> there you go. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week on an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Bye, everybody. Bye.